everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Alan, I am doing good, buddy. It's it's good to be back after we had a little, little yeah, break last got week. got a week off. Yeah. yeah. We had some stuff to take care of. We had some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate everybody uh, hanging out, and uh, we're glad to be back. That's right. Yeah. This week, we're going to do episode nine from season four, The Trial of Leslie Nope. Oh, my. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. Nice. Been waiting to use that sound effect again. So, <laughs> well, Mark, I wanted to also acknowledge, uh, you know, a little achievement we had. We hit seventy five thousand downloads last week. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, right. yes, right? Yeah, pretty awesome. We're we're about we're not quite halfway through yet either. So maybe we can pick up some steam here in the second half and see if we can, uh, you know, hit two hundred thousand by the time we're all said and done. That would be fantastic. You know, it's Alan, it's downloads like that that allow us to live the lavish lifestyle that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. Royalties off this show have literally, Mark, added up to nickels. <laughs> no, you know what? No, that's not true. I'm pretty sure we still have lost money. In fact, I'm sure of it. We're going to make it up in volume. Yes. <laughs> that's like the pilot. We'll make it up in the air. I yep. don't know what that means. Yep. But we do. Yep. We sure do. We do. Mm-hmm. Well, again, this week's episode is The Trial of Leslie Nope. Yo. This episode first aired on December 1st, 2011, directed by Dean Holland and written by Dan Gore. We know those two. We do. That's a that's a power combo there. Yeah. Yeah. Dean, uh, uh, the with the most directing credits of all, I think, of all their directors, mm-hmm. this is his 10th of 27. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, getting close to the end of Dan Gore's run as a writer with 8 of 10. Now, of course, both those guys produced all throughout the show. So, oh, sure. Uh, but yeah, no, it's an interesting episode and an interesting combo. Speaking of Dan Gore, did I tell you, Alan, that I officially finished uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? You did not. What did oh, you think? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It, had, it was a great ending. I, I kind of like the way they ended it. So it, anyone who hasn't seen that, I totally recommend it. Uh, me as well. We, yep. we enjoyed uh, the eighth season, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yep. Eight seasons. Yeah. So great show and uh, good run. Absolutely. Somebody should do a podcast about that show. (laughs) I agree. Someone talented. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to find some people. Yep. Well, Mark, uh, how would you like to do our synopsises for the folks at home? Oh, my gosh. I've been hoping and wondering when you're going to ask me, Sir Alan, another round table. I am ready. I'm curious. Is that even the right word today? Synopsises? Do we even need the plural? Tell me a story, Mark. Well, um. Historically, Alan, when you look at uh, the English, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I thought you were going for something. I there. think I was about to be schooled on something. Sometimes I can't wait to see what I'm going to say. And then it just doesn't pan out. <laughs> well, you know, Alan, uh, I actually only uh, split this into one story. So I guess oh. it's not split. So I guess synopsis <laughs> is fine. What is the original word? I don't need, I've forgotten it now. Synopsis. <sighs> It is a synopsis. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. I think I think maybe you're right. Hey, Mark, so, what's hmm. your synopsis of this episode? Well, you know what? For this episode and this episode alone, I will tell you. Thank you. I have my A and only story as Law and Order Pawnee style. Love it. When we last left our heroes, i.e. last episode, Leslie and Ben decided to tell Chris about their relationship. And when they do, Chris reluctantly, but stoically, launches a full investigation and prepares an ethics trial for the two of them, with Leslie's trial first. During her opening statement at the ethics trial, Leslie freely admits to her relationship with Ben, but insists that they never did anything else wrong or unethical. Chris, however, thinks there may be more going on and has several witnesses lined up to seek the truth. 
As the trial proceeds, Leslie manages to deflect most of the arguments brought to trial. However, rumor has it that Chris may have a killer witness waiting in the wing. I know. Wow. I, so, what will happen? How many herbal supplements does Chris need to take to fight <laughs> off depression? What happened to the woman in the mural who exposed her elbow? How exactly does Leslie spell out the word yay? <laughs> who exactly is the killer witness? And what final secret does Jerry reveal during the trial? Loyal podcast viewers, this is a big one. Stay tuned, dot, dot, dot. Wow. Nice job. Yeah. I, I hope this episode's worthy of your synopsis. I, me too. So now <laughs> the pressure's on them. Well, Mark, how did, if with only one storyline, how did you do your AKAs or AKA this week? Like I usually do. I just wing it. Oh, fair enough. So I had, I had two. Okay. Both from the A story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, wow. The, okay. So the first one is uh, Chris is not doing real well. No. So he's kind of uh, really uh, s- s- trying to fight off depression. Yeah. And he's using all of these uh, herbal remedies and stuff. And and at one point he's telling Leslie, I guess, to partially explain why he's so weirdly happy. Yeah. He he she, he tells her I'm laughing because I know which one I think you're gonna do. Yeah. That his his herbalist <laughs> took this weird bee pollen paste and rubbed <laughs> it around his gums and now my aka my mouth feels like a spaceship. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> that that line gets me every time I watch this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. It was a good one. And then so that's from Chris. My other one is from Leslie. Um, who I think has good advice for us all when she says, when you sit back and let your reputation be destroyed, you go down in history as a frozen whore. <laughs> so, you know. It, contextually, it's even funnier. But yes. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, out of context, it's pretty funny, too. How about you? what do you have? Well, Mark, I, because we only had the one storyline uh, and I was confident because the judges told me that was the correct answer. Ah. Um I decided to do one for Leslie, one for Ben and one for Chris, since they're kind of like the the main three triumvirate of this episode, if you will. Yeah, they're Even, the three. They're the three. Yeah. Yeah. Not a thruple exactly, but they're they're the three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Ben has a lot, interestingly small amount of screen time, he's important in this episode. If you see Chris with Ben, sometimes you wonder if they're a thruple. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my Leslie line, if you will, <laughs> she's reflecting on something that she tries in the courtroom that didn't go so awesomely. Mm. And she goes, well, that went terribly. That's <laughs> 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 the way she said it made me laugh. Yep. Uh, ben, my Ben line, I guess, was um, <laughs> he's assuring her that he's going to be just outside. Mm-hmm. And they've decided that he's going to be on the other side of the wall mm-hmm. that's right where this painting is. And he says, so if you miss me, just look at this wrinkled hideous monster and you'll know I'm sitting out there rooting for you. Oh, I love that. Yep. And then my, my Chris line uh, was yours. You took it. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) ha ha. All right. And now my mouth feels like a spaceship. That's such a weird combination of words. It it is. Bravo to them. And funny. Yes. Yeah. And well done by uh, that, that guy who delivered the line, whatever his name is, Rob Lowe. He's going to make it. I think he might. (laughs) All right, Mark. Well, should we get into our episode breakdown? You want to kick us off uh, and tell us about the cold open? Absolutely. So uh, this is kind of interesting uh, 
Alan, see if you agree with this. I I clock this as one of the first non-plot relevant cold opens we've had in a long time. It may it's definitely I think the first in season four. Right. And it's maybe right. going back to early season three. It's been a minute. Right. Right. Yeah. Not that that's bad. I just no. I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. So we're at City Hall. You this know what? Can I say one thing? Though? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> so, yeah, it's too late. Um, while it's not plot relevant exactly, I did. It did occur to me later that it's a bit of a reminder about Ron's feelings about security. Yes. Which allows a line later in the episode to actually land a little better. I noted that, too. OK, fair enough. Right. So, yeah, th- and this is actually a fairly short cold open. I mean, we've had some that were in way in excess of yeah. two minutes. Oh. This is less than one minute. And, and it's a meme. And it's very meme worthy. So here's yeah. what we're talking about, folks. At, we're at City Hall and Ron is uh, at his computer in his office and he's bellowing for April. April! And she comes in. She's unflustered because she knows how he operates. You know, uh, he's not mad at her. Um, so Ron asks April to explain how a pop-up ad knew his name. <laughs> uh, you know, th- things he was interested in, all that sort of thing. And April attempts to explain the concept of cookies and sites learning about things he ordered, etc. And when Ron begins to show concern, April says that if he thinks that's bad, go to Google Earth and type in your address. And he does so. And April, you can see April beside him silently mouth the word, boom. <laughs> because he, she knows. She knows this is going to set him off. And you see Ron staring angrily at the screen. And then the next scene we see is Ron doing his Swanson fast walk with his computer and monitor out to the dumpster by City Hall and just blah, just throwing the whole damn thing in and then walking off. Hashtag meme worthy moment. Yes, very much so. It's a classic. Oh, for sure. I remember seeing that one a lot early in the meme days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I know you and I with our IT backgrounds. uh, Oh, yeah. Former nerds. um, We've felt that way about many PCs. Oh, yes. Including the one I'm on today. (laughs) In the dumpster with you, buddy. That's right. Yep. Well, Mark, from there, in our opening scene, it's time to pay the piper. And Ben and Leslie have told Chris about their relationship. And, you know, as expected, Chris is literally shocked uh, and and only partly by Ben's apparent change in taste. (laughs) Leslie and Ben are in Chris's office. They're holding hands. They just told him about the relationship. As you said, Chris is shocked and he seems more than a little conflicted. You know, he loves them both and thinks that they are exemplary employees. That's the word Leslie was thinking of. But... He is also launching a full investigation into the extent of their wrongdoing. And before he leaves, he asks Leslie to report first thing Monday morning to the council chambers for her ethics trial and subsequent punishment. And Ben says, I told you you'd feel better. Yep. Which is a great reference to a deleted scene that we actually didn't actually get to have in this. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, even though Ben can't be in the hearing with Leslie, he can come in two hours early and leave a thoughtful gift for Leslie. But, you know, that would have required him to actually come in in five and a half hours early uh, so that he could be her there. (laughs) So with this scene, we see something that we've seen before. We see a black screen with white lettering that that says the trial of Leslie Nope. It doesn't actually say it because I I said it. You just read it. Um, (laughs) It's it's 6.30 a.m. and we see Leslie sitting alone in the council chambers and Ben enters the room a few seconds later, hoping to have snuck in 
before Leslie got there, which he realizes is a, a pipe dream. Yeah. Um, since she couldn't sleep and she apparently got there at 3 a.m., which I guess is fitting for her, you know, just to get a feel of the room. It's kind of an overprepared Leslie moment. Yes, absolutely. And Ben very sweetly gives her a little, a little Sebastian plush horse toy that he had custom made for her. And Leslie expresses her concern about the trial to Ben and and uh, he tries to comfort her. And, and Leslie tells him that she wishes they could go through this together. Actually, you know what? Hey, Harvey, can you play out the rest of this scene, buddy? Wish we could go through this together. Look, it's going to be okay. You're just going to get a slap on the wrist, maybe a brief suspension. That's not okay. That's going to go on my permanent record. I'm not the kind of person that has a permanent record. For me, a slap on the wrist is like a kick to the nuts. I don't know it is. What's going to happen to you? Well, don't worry about me. Well, look, I'll be outside all day, right on the other side of that wall. So if you miss me, you just look at this wrinkled, hideous monster, and you'll know I'm sitting there rooting for you. Okay? Okay. Go. Okay. Marcus Everett Langley was Pawnee's greatest lawyer at the turn of the century. His nickname was Old Stoneface because of his steely demeanor and because he got in an accident at the rock quarry and dynamite blew up his face. (laughs) That explains why he looks like that. He he looks like a human jigsaw puzzle. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, it's frightening if you don't know what you're looking at. Yep. Well, Mark, we open up in the council chambers and the trial is about to begin and we get our first glimpse of a totally stressed out Chris Traeger and he is radiating pure joy. Wait, that can't be right. Mark, what's going on here? (laughs) Well, Alan, as far as I can reckon, um, the first shot we get, we get a quick. I just thought that this was really nice is the only reason I want to include this. We get a quick outside shot of City Hall and we see it snowing. And I think it has snowed through the majority of this episode, which I I just thought was nice. And which may be one of the first times we've actually seen it snow in Pawnee. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, And we see Chris cheerfully greet Leslie in council chambers. And Chris tells her that he's never felt so low, which is uh, very confusing to Leslie, because, as you (laughs) said, he appears to be just radiating joy um, until he then lists off a huge list of herbal remedies that he is now ingested, uh, hoping to stave off depression. Well, does he have like a small gym bag and he's literally taking out like bottles and bottles and bottles of supplements? Oh, with gleefully. I mean, just just, just, I mean, shoveling handful after handful in his mouth. Um, So the uh, the trial starts the the preliminary, I guess, for the trial. And and the the chair of the ethics committee, Mr. Allen Bach, describes the scope of what they want to accomplish today, which is basically determining whether Leslie violated any municipal rules or laws due to her relationship with Ben. And Mr. Allenbach asked Leslie if she wants to make an opening statement. And Leslie basically says that A, she freely admits to the relationship, but B, she and Ben did nothing else wrong or unethical. There you go. Well, and this, you know, she had, this is where we are, our AKA came from about Chris's spaceship mouth. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And it also kind of sets up this painting that we see that set up your AKA about being the frozen whore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, there's a woman named Sarah Nelson Quindle. And in 1849, she exposed her elbow outdoor, which was a class A felony. Right. And although she felt the law unjust, she acknowledged she had broken it and nobly accepted her punishment to be set adrift Lake Michigan as a human popsicle. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> Gotta love punny. Yup. Well, I hope Leslie fares better here in her trial. Yep. Mark, as the trial kicks off. In the Pawnee criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The Leslie Nopes, who just want to have a boyfriend with a cute face, and the Chris Traegers, who want to destroy them. These are their stories. (laughs) (laughs) That is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Uh, Sometimes we have fun here. Sometimes. Sometimes. Well, Mark, in fact, we also learned that Leslie did receive special treatment from Ben in this scene, including adorable nicknames and amazing back rubs. And well, maybe that's about it. (laughs) He meant professionally. Oh, Lord. Um, So, yeah, Chris asks Leslie a few basic questions such as what day did your relationship with Ben Wyatt begin? Did you ever receive special treatment as a result of your relationship? Did you break any local, state, or federal laws trying to cover up your relationship? You know, the usual. Sure. And Leslie answers these in a straightforward and honest way, denying that they ever did anything wrong. Um, Mr. Allenbach notes that Chris will be calling uh, 14 witnesses to participate in this trial. And Leslie's a little uh, nonplussed by this. And, why and, so many? And, and asks him why. Like, I've, I've already admitted to breaking, breaking your rule. And I thought this was interesting. Chris gets a little perturbed here and Angry. says, it's not my rule, yeah. Leslie. It's an important rule that exists in every government. Romantic relationships between superiors and their employees lead to fraud, corruption, and a misuse of public funds. And she's stunned at this and said, you, do you think that I am guilty of this? And he says, I, I think that you began your relationship with Ben Wyatt earlier than you're saying. I think that you certainly received special treatment and... I think that you may even be guilty of bribery. And she's like, no, I I will prove you wrong. So she's getting a little up in arms here. And at this point, Mr. Allenbach at the head of the ethics committee says, all right, he's calming things down. 10 minute break, you yokels. (laughs) Let's calm down. Well, Chris is like a dog with a bone here. I'm I'm conflicted by his behavior and his attitude. And I want to talk about that later when we get into our scoring. Okay. All right. Well, Mark, it turns out that, you know, as we know, the men in this office. And Tom. And Tom, uh, but not necessarily including Ben, are basically useless. Oh, yeah. And, and Leslie is very lucky to have also have April, Donna, and Anne on her side. Abso-freaking-lutely. So, yeah, at this point, you know, they're taking their 10-minute break. The council chambers have been cleared out except for what I'm calling Team Leslie. Which- it's super nice that they let them use the council chambers while they all leave the room and on break. That's what I thought. Yeah, because yeah. it makes basically means there's only three scenes in this entire episode that are not in this courtroom. Wow. Right? Yeah. In this committee room, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting. We can call it a courtroom if we want. Fair to. enough. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Team Leslie, again, just for for completeness sake, Leslie, Andy, April, Donna, Ron and Ann. I don't see Jerry in this particular group. Jerry's not here, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So Andy has brought some coffees in. Here you go, boss. Like, like how he calls her boss all the time. Yeah. And including a special a special whipped cream laden one for Leslie. I don't know if you caught that. Like I did see that part way while she's like, OK, guys. And she opens up her coffee and puts in a finger to blow, <laughs> puts a big dollop of whipped cream in her mouth. So Leslie rallies the troops. Right. And tells them that they need to counter every charge that Chris has leveled against her. And so she sends the following people off on missions for Andy. Get evidence to which he says, right. And then tries and to heads off. out to get it. Specifically, he needs to retrieve some file and files and file boxes. And. 
April goes to help him. Thank God. Yeah. Ron, since Chris has 14 witnesses, talk to all the department heads, find out who's going to testify for him. He didn't know the names of any of them. So Donna's <laughs> going to go to help him. Thank Good God. Lord. And then last but not least, Anne, please text me every 30 seconds and let me know that everything is going to be okay. To which she excitedly says, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know she like like starts to like jog out of the yeah. out of the chambers and then she she's mainly, typing a message yeah and yeah. then thanks Anne <laughs> love it she's good at her job yep Mark I, I, there's a talking head by Leslie that kind of wraps up this scene and she says look I I broke one rule I will accept that's a slap on the wrist but when you sit back and let your reputation be destroyed you go down in history as a frozen whore this was one of your AKAs oh that's so, right that's yeah. right yeah I'm not going to be a Sarah Nelson Quindle I'm going to no, fight she's fighting yeah yeah well just before we go back into session we learn a disturbing rumor that Leslie may resort to a few mob tactics if things don't go well <laughs> forget about forget it forget about it so yeah we're um we're, we're back in council chambers and they're preparing to reconvene and Anne is getting herself uh, ready as Leslie's next witness looks like she has a laptop and a couple of other things. And Ron walks up and mentions that there's a rumor going around that Chris has a, quote, killer witness to which Leslie has no idea. Like, I haven't done anything, so I don't <laughs> right. even understand how that could be possible. Um, at first, Leslie asks Ron to silence him, to which he goes with pleasure. <laughs> no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Not silence, not, not silence, but you know, just don't, you, you know. And he, yeah. he winks at her and then leaves. So I don't know that he knows. <laughs> Forget about it. Mr. Allenbach takes his seat, clears the chambers, and officially starts the trial back up. Well, and Mark, with the trial resuming, we learn that Leslie has absolutely no respect for properly formatted email subject lines <laughs> and that she recently learned to use iMovie. Yep. Uh, Mark, should we just play this clip? Absolutely. Clear this chamber, please. Ms. Perkins, Chris Traeger has questioned when my relationship with Ben Wyatt began. I'd like to direct you to your inbox and specifically an email entitled, Yay. That's Y, A, and 18 Ys and 44 exclamation points. <laughs> yes. It is an email from you. Oh, and there's an attachment. Mmm, intriguing. <laughs> Could you play the attachment, please? Sure. <clears throat> In a world on the brink of financial meltdown. <laughs> In a town unlike any other. An <laughs> adorable man with a cute face. And the future president of the United States. What? Went from being friends to being so much more. Anne! Ben and I hooked up last night. Ah! And I learned how to use iMovie. <laughs> Call me later. Bye. <laughs> so, what was the date you received that email? Uh, May 12th. May 12th. The day after we returned from Indianapolis. Well, she's got a point there. Oh, uh, yeah. I think she swatted that back down in Chris's side of the court. Yeah. So far, so good. Yep. I, I love that Chris, uh, during as he's watching, he's he's uh, using, stretching that thing across his neck and relaxing his muscles. And he's drinking protein shakes and Ethel Beaver's eating chicken soup. And See, I didn't know if he was <laughs> drinking a protein shake or if he was chugging milk and magnesia. It's hard to say. It's either that or a bottle of Yoohoo, and I can't tell. Oh, that's delicious. I know. Oh now I want Yoohoo. Yeah, I do too. Damn it. Good job. <sighs> well, Harvey. 
Get, get, <laughs> can you buddy? Yeah, okay, thanks. Hurry back, please. Well, Mark, next up, Chris calls the one and only Thomas N. Haverford to the stand. And we get a quick reminder about that awesome dating site, you know, just for those people of Indiana, HoosierMate.com. Oh, HoosierMate.com. Whence did our love went yeah, wrong? I, I think it failed and it's no longer a thing. Chris brings in Tom as his witness and asks about the time when he and Leslie kissed. Back in season three, episode 10, Soulmates, um, clearly trying to prove uh, to the court. I'm going to call it a court. I don't care. Trying to prove to the court that Leslie has a pattern of becoming involved with her coworkers. Leslie shakes her head and prompts Tom to answer Chris honestly, specifically that an online dating site, HoosierMates.com, randomly paired them up and as a joke, Tom thought it would be funny to pretend that they were dating. And then, again, as a joke, Leslie kissed him to shut him up. And they never had any other romantic contact after that. <laughs> and, and then Tom goes, no, that would be like dating my older sister's elderly aunt. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie's a little offended by I know. That. I can't imagine why. Yeah. Well, as much as I love April and Andy, I'm not sure that I would call them for my character witnesses, uh, even though the trial seems to be going otherwise pretty well. I can tell that they want to help, but they are not helping. <laughs> so no, they're helping in a very April and Andy sort of way. At this point, we have a Leslie talking head who essentially is kind of telling us, the audience, how it's been going yeah. so far. And she says that they've been at it for hours, but so far she's managed to refute Every single one of Chris's claims, dot, 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 uh, even though she did hit a few snags with a couple <laughs> of her character witnesses. And we have a couple of flashbacks. One is with um, April going crazy as Leslie's <laughs> witness. I don't know why Leslie Nope is on trial. Ethel Beavis did it. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> Beavis did it. Sit down. <laughs> I will hold myself in contempt. And say she's nuts. Oh, my God. And then after that bit of ridiculousness, we flash to um, poor Andy. He's so simple. And he's looking at Chris and goes, is this about the laptop? I didn't mean to steal it. I took it home and I spaced. Uh, I forgot. I'm going to bring it back. It totally works. But I got spaghetti in the keyboard. And Chris says, what laptop? <laughs> and Andy kind of stares at him for a second. Objection. <laughs> He's so savvy. Uh, but other than that, everything seems going to fine. be going pretty yeah. well. Yeah. And they've been at this for hours. Yeah. Just remember that. Yeah. Well, yet again, Chris continues to present one salvo after another in an attempt to prove Leslie violated, uh, you know, something other than her taste in good clothing. Womp womp. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> nice, you, Donna. Nicely done. Um yeah, Chris brings up a receipt from the Pawnee Super Suites Motel that Leslie submitted for reimbursement, noting that Ben was at the uh, at the motel and that taxpayers' money is not to be spent on a romantic getaway. So to combat Chris's allegations, Leslie has Donna tell them, A, what she and Ben were wearing that evening, which is just khakis and button-down shirts, your basic white people clothes. Uh, B, when she walked in the room, did it seem like anything romantic was going on? To which Donna says, hell no, nothing, <laughs> nothing <laughs> no sexual way. happened in that room. It looked like an office. Um, and Leslie explains it was an office because th that night City Hall was being fumigated. They need to pull an all-nighter. 
kaboom. So I don't know, Alan. It seems like so far so good. I love Leslie's talking head where she says, look, I've seen over 200 episodes of Law and Order. And it's paying off big time. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and by the way, we got the Gramps. I mean, the Grants. Oh, that could have been such a great moment. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah. Sounds like something I would do. Yup. Well, on a quick break from the trial, Leslie checks in with Ethel to get the, you know, the Vegas line on the outcome. Yup. And then Ron gets called to the stand. Oh, holy hell. Ethel Beavers is, a, you know, our favorite court recorder. I don't yeah. know if we ever said that, but that's what she's doing. She, all she's this. playing the role of stenographer. A stenographer. Yeah. That's what they call her, yeah. not court recorder. I don't know who, what yeah. Yahoo came up with that. Yeah. Sean O'Malley Tweet might be a court reporter, but, you know. A recorder. Yeah. Oh, I, recorder. I don't know. That's what I that's said. A, that's the thing Ron made with the, the whittling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so as the stenographer, uh, Ethel Beavers tells her it's about 50-50 chance Although if you want to put money on it, she'll give her 60, 40 against, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> That's good. Um, so then we see the trial reconvene and sure enough, uh, uh, Mr. Allen Bach calls Ron Swanson as a witness for Leslie and Leslie wants to use Ron, I think to corroborate when her relationship with Ben ended mm. since she made the decision during a conversation with him at his cabin, which viewers may remember during the season four premiere episode. I'm Leslie. Nope. That's right. However, as Leslie tries to get Ron to acknowledge his cabin's address, he keeps on making <laughs> loud, obnoxious noises so as to uh, obfuscate to the stenographer the actual address. Since he not only does he not like to give out his address, but he doesn't want to have it on official record for crying out loud. That's right. And then what I'll was the actual address, Mark? It was uh, uh, 9301. <laughs> I said nine three zero once. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, Ron stops. He looks up into the side. He frowns. He sniffs the air. Oh, God. He pauses for a few seconds. He stands up and then says, "She's here." When <laughs> Leslie asks, "Who's here?" he says. My ex-wife, Tammy, too. I can smell the sulfur coming off her cloven <laughs> hooves. And Chris cheerfully, as is his only way to do it, oh, Chris cheerfully confirms, oh, good news, Ron. Tammy is indeed his next witness. And then Ron does his patented Ron Swanson run out of the courtroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's how you knew it was Tammy, too. He took time to smell her. Yeah. And then react. Yeah. If it were Tammy one and he smelled her, he would have just ran. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Order of crises. That's right. Yeah. Like Tammy two is DEFCON two. Tammy exactly. one is DEFCON one. Yep. <laughs> well, Mark, despite the smell of sulfur and the loud clippity clop of her cloven hooves, <laughs> Tammy two does take the stand. And we're about to find out exactly how damning her testimony will be to Leslie. <sighs> this is scary stuff. This this very well may be. The killer witness. Uh -oh. you, you've got a sociopath that will say just about anything here after yeah. all. So we see Tammy too enter the courtroom and sit down. And Chris asks her if she has any incriminating evidence on Leslie and Ben. And at first she's like, oh, yeah. But when Chris reminds her that she's under oath and if she lies, he will fire her and have her prosecuted. She quickly says, oh, you cut me off. I don't have any evidence. Oh, Chris. So silly. OK, bye, guys. Leslie, have fun <laughs> with the trial. Yay. And so she pats her on the back and she runs out. Oh, and Leslie kind of glances over and Ethel Beavers gives her a thumbs up. So I think the thought process yeah. here is we're in the clear. That may have been the killer witness. Yeah. And Chris kind of 
uh, uh, surprisingly scared her off, we may be good to go here. Yeah. So um, Leslie tells the court she's proven. She thinks she's proven without the shadow of a doubt that she and Ben have not broken any rules other than dating each other. And Chris agrees so far. Yeah, that seems to be the case. But he does have one last witness, George Williams from Public Works. And at first, Leslie is nonplussed by this, but then she sees George enter the courtroom and recognizes him as the maintenance worker who caught her and Ben making out at the Little Sebastian Memorial, who she subsequently bribed to keep her relationship with Ben quiet. Oh, my gosh. I can't even take this anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And he's also a NASCAR enthusiast. (laughs) Allegedly, Allegedly, Your Honor. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Well, as interesting tidbits go, that one's a bit of a doozy, Mark. But hopefully George has forgotten all about the Harvest Festival and we can finally just send everybody home. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah, let's do uh, what happens here? Uh, oh, that's not what happened. No, so, it's not. So George, George Williams from Public Works comes in now and he's seated as a witness and Chris is asking him questions. Um, hey, Harvey, can you go ahead and play this clip, buddy? You were saying that you saw Ben Wyatt and Leslie Nope kissing at Little Sebastian's memorial? Yeah. Can you identify Leslie Nope in this chamber? She's right there. Right. <laughs> and what happened after this incident? Well, I got real nervous. They came up to me and they told me to forget what I saw. What you saw was not what you think it is. I have a gift certificate, actually, for you. Oh, my God. And then they gave me a $50 gift certificate to a spa and said, And thank you for your discretion. And did you use it? Yeah. I got a facial. My wife said my skin was luminous. (laughs) That's enough. Now, in order to cover up their illicit affair, Ben Wyatt and Leslie Nope bribed a city employee. George, I noticed that you're wearing glasses, yet on the day in question, I don't recall you wearing glasses. Could it be because you weren't wearing glasses? I never wear them on a job. Can you take your glasses off, please, and and read this for us? I could read this if I weren't so blind. Well, that went terribly. I need to check some facts and figures. I would like to request a 55-day recess. You can have 30 minutes, but we're nearing the end here, Miss Nope. Wow. Well, yeah, that didn't go to plan. It did not. Uh, it, I really thought she had a chance of the 55-day recess, but unfortunately <laughs> they reduced it to 30 minutes. Oh. oh, my gosh. Well, Mark, blindsided by the testimony of George Williams, Leslie is in desperate need of a Hail Mary. And, you know, she pulls the Scooby squad together for one last desperate effort. That's right. So once again, in the council chambers, uh, we see Team Leslie, uh, which again, it, now now Jerry's there, I noticed. So this yeah. is Leslie, Tom, Ann, April, Andy, Jerry, Ron, and Donna. And they're trying to figure a way out of this, you know. And, and in classic uh, courtroom uh, drama style here, their only hope is to find some weird uh, arcane statute or government rule or magic spell. Yeah, uh, I saw that, this on Buffy. That help, that's what, mm-hmm, that helps her <laughs> in one of these old books. So everyone grab a book, Scooby Gang, and start start researching. Um, and then we see a shot of the closed council chamber doors from the hallway outside. Presumably some time has passed here a little bit. Uh, and Leslie asks like, Hey, uh, quick update, quick update guys. Has anything found anything? And people found some strange and somewhat interesting factoids for sure, sure. But there's not really anything that helps her. 
And in desperation, Leslie asks Donna to go out in the hallway and get Ben, who, who his skill set might be kind of useful with this sort of thing. However, when Donna looks out there, Ben is nowhere to be found. So Donna leaves to try and find Ben. Yeah. Some of the things we learn here, Mark, these obscure facts, as you called them, you know, they're in the the, the tome of uh, books they found in the Buffy episode. Yeah. Uh, one was that the city council banned all sexual positions except for missionary oh. in 1856. Oh, geez. But the good news is two years later, they banned that too. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> we don't need that around. <laughs> if a Presbyterian should speak out of turn, he could be caned across the shin bone. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently black people still can't use sidewalks legally. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think they might want to revisit some of this stuff. <laughs> Otherwise, the population is going to dwindle. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> and people are going to be upset. Yeah. Didn't they also find that any woman oh, yeah. that's, that's caught laughing is a witch? Yeah. And April goes, that's true. That seems right. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Uh, well, while we wait to see if Donna can track down Ben in time, Leslie finally has an epiphany, and thankfully Ron is here to support her. Yeah, so it's a little bit later still. Um, they're still in the council chambers, and I think the 30-minute break is almost up. And no one's found anything yet. And Leslie's standing by herself looking at a mural. And Ron gets up and stands beside her. Well, you know what? Let's have Harvey play this clip. All right, let's do this mural is called Bad Pawnee, Good Pawnee. All the terrible things that have happened in this town's history are on one side, and on the other side are all the good things that have happened. I'm on the bad side. No, you're not. Yes, I am, Ron. I'm guilty. I did something bad. I'm a bad person. It's not that simple. You know what makes a good person good? When a good person does something bad, they own up to it. They try to learn something from it, and they move on. Guys, everybody stop reading. No more loopholes. No more fighting. Are you sure, boss? Yeah. I know I let you down, and I just want to say I'm really sorry. Leslie, what are you talking about? Yeah, this makes me like you more. Bribing someone to hide a sexcapade? I'm proud to call you a friend. And I always liked you. <laughs> okay, we're back. Clear the chamber, please. I think I'm about to get fired, Ron. Well, Alan, it's not looking good for our heroes. It is not. Yep. Well, at this point, there is no more to say. The ethics committee is being seated and we're going to learn the outcome of the trial of Leslie Nope. What will happen? The drama. I, I, I can't take it. I know. Like oh my, my blood pressure's up. I feel like I'm like, Chris, I need some supplements or something. I, I want my mouth to feel like a spaceship to distract <laughs> me from how worried I am. I don't know what's about to happen. Oh, boy. So, Alan, with the trials now, I'm calling it a trial. I don't care. That's okay. With the trial It's now, in a courtroom, too. Well, I guess it is a trial. It's an ethics trial. It is an ethics trial. So, with the courtroom thing reconvening, uh, Mr. Allen Bach asks Leslie if she has any objections to ending the investigation phase and moving on to the punishment phase. And Leslie has no objections. And so, the counsel hereby hands down the following judgment. Leslie Nope will be suspended for two weeks with pay. Huh. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Can I get that? I'd like to be suspended from this podcast right now, Mark. You, everybody in this room sucks. <laughs> I would like to be suspended with pay immediately, if not sooner. So now with the trial concluded, 
everybody starts to get up and leave. And Leslie is just standing there confused. Yeah. She doesn't know what just happened. And she walks over to Chris and asks, I should have gotten fired. I really should have gotten fired. Why didn't I get fired? And Chris tells Leslie, Ben asked for a private meeting with the committee and he took full responsibility for the bribe and he resigned effective immediately. Leslie is stunned at yeah, this now. and urges Chris to stop him. No, and you can't let him resign. And Chris says he tried, but his mind was made up. And we, we kind of see Chris shuffle uncomfortably. And then he steps closer to Leslie and he says, my job is to protect the government from fraud and corruption. I was just doing my job. And I hope that you can understand that. And Leslie says that she really does. And I, I believe her, you know, and Chris goes on to say, we will get through this. You are an excellent government employee. And more importantly, you're the only person I've ever met who is worthy of being Ben's girlfriend. That's a big testimony coming from Chris. Yeah. She's yeah. not even a tall brunette. No, exactly right. And Chris starts to leave. And then he turns around and he says, you know, the meeting that Ben and I had, it's on the record smiles a little bit. You should take a look at the last page of the transcript. Well, Mark, this next scene is a very interesting one using an interesting blend of flashback and narrator to let us know exactly what went down during Ben's private meeting with the council. Yeah, th this was interesting. So from a, from a functionality perspective, we see Leslie approach uh, our favorite court stenographer, uh, Ethel Beavers, and says, you know, hey, Chris just told me about Ben's private meeting. And he said, you know, why don't you look at the last page of the transcript? So, you know, hey, why don't you make with the reading there, Ethel Beavers? Right. So she's going to like be the narrator, if you will. Right. Yeah. Th that's at least how it seems initially. Yeah. yeah. And so she starts, she starts reading it back and um, <laughs> I, it's, I'll, I'll condense this. I mean, among yeah. the salient points that she reads back from Ben's private meeting are a Ben confirms that he is prepared to resign effective immediately and take full responsibility for all the events that transpired at Lil Sebastian's memorial B although it makes him sadder than he ever thought humanly possible Chris officially accepts Ben's resignation and then C Chris asks Ben one final question was all this, all the sneaking around, the scandal, losing your job, was it worth it? To which Ben says, yes, it was, because I love Leslie. I want to be with her. I don't want to hide the way I feel about her anymore. So, yeah, it was worth it because I'm in love with Leslie Nope. And Leslie just beams at Ethel yeah. Beavers with this huge smile. I love the way Ethel captured the moment really well. And as they swap back and forth, you know, it starts off with her at the very beginning where he says, you know, uh, Mr. Wyatt, uh, Chris, for God's sakes, would you mind not jumping for a while? And then, you know, he says, uh, Mr. Traeger, sorry, Ben, but this is how I fight depression. So, you know, she's really capturing everything. And then later he says, uh, Mr. Traeger, that was beautiful. I'm literally crying and jumping. Crying noise, crying noise, nose blow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, caught everything. She got it all. She's good. She really is. End transcript. Yep. 
Well, Mark, the trial is over and both Ben and Leslie must now deal with the outcome. But first, Leslie finds a creative way to make sure that Ben knows how she feels. It is now dark. I think we, you and I as, as native Hoosiers, Alan would call this uh, Indiana dusk. Yeah, that's about right. So it's now dark and it's gently it's dark at four o'clock in February. Yeah, <laughs> it's gently <laughs> snowing outside. And Leslie's car, the Leslie Mobile, uh, pulls up to April slash Andy slash Ben's house. Uh, the, the house slash Burley's house the has the residence formerly known as Burley's, uh, a.k.a. Tref Cab, which is never going to catch on. Damn it. All right. So we, we see Ben sitting outside and Leslie gets out of the Leslie mobile and she walks over to Ben. You know what? This is a really good scene. Let's have Harvey play this one last clip. I think that's a great idea. Hi, honey. How was your day? Oh, I've had better. How about you? I can't believe you did that for me. Well, I was pretty sure it was going to happen one way or the other. I hope it doesn't affect your campaign. Don't worry about that right now. There was a piece of testimony that came out during the trial that I think you'd be interested in. Ethel? (laughs) Ethel, could you please read page 132 of the official testimony? Ethel Bavers. (laughs) The official record has now annoyingly been reopened so that Leslie Nope can make a statement. Leslie Nope, let the record state that I, Leslie Nope, love Ben Wyatt. I love him with all of my heart. Did you get that, Ethel Beavers? Yes, I got it. Thank you, Ethel. Aw, kissy. Can I get a ride home? It's freezing. I think they forgot about Ethel for a moment there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, Mark, all that's left at this point is the kicker. And here we have a brief flashback of the trial uh, that takes another step in the building the lore of Jerry's personal history. Oh, the the journey of the Gurgich. Yeah. Yeah. So Jerry is apparently is a witness for Leslie. I think that's what's what's being yeah. uh, what's going on. Probably one of them, they're character witnesses. Hopefully Probably better than Andy and April. Oh, my gosh. He's got to be better. Um, so Leslie asks Jerry to state his name, to which he responds, Gary Gergich. And Leslie just scoffs like, oh, my God, you Good can't God, Jerry. You can't even get your own name right. <laughs> and then he points out, well, no, that that is my real name. Uh, and Leslie is surprised and she's in utter disbelief and shock. And Jerry explains on my first day here, the old director, he called me Jerry. And I, I just didn't think I should correct him. And. Jerry proceeds to give Leslie his driver's license, which sure enough says Gary Gergich. And Leslie kind of mulls that around for a minute or so. And she kind of compares both names out loud. And then she finally makes the proclamation. Oh, my God, they're both horrible. But you know what? Jerry is better. I'm going to call you Jerry. So we think, okay, she's they can just proceed forward. That's weird. And then she she attempts to get back to the trial and ask Jerry questions but she stops about five seconds in and just says, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't get over the Gary Jerry thing. And then Chris pipes up. Neither can I. Jerry, you can go. <laughs> we need a five, five minute, minute break. <laughs> Fade to black. Oh, awesome. Well, nice job, Mark. That was terrific. Uh, thanks for helping me break that down. Uh, let's take a real quick break. We'll come back. And we'll talk about first fun facts, tropes and all those fun things and then give this thing a score and send everybody home. All right. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello. This is Ron Swanson. City Manager Chris Traeger has informed me that I am, quote, 
woefully behind, end quote, in my HR courses, and at this point I can either A. Spend an entire Saturday in a conference room with Chris, or B. Record this simple, the more you know, PSA. And so, here we find ourselves. <sighs> Fortunately, Chris was not explicit about the details of this PSA. As a result, I have opted to review these seven relatively unknown laws here in Pawnee, and I am already having regrets. Anyway, here we go. Number seven. It is illegal to play dominoes on Sunday before 5 p.m. Well, of course, the real domino action happens at nighttime, particularly during the witching hour. Everyone knows that. Number six. Businesses who allow dancing must be no closer than 1.3 miles from any cemetery. Personally, I think dancing should be automatically allowed any place with a good breakfast buffet. Case in point, the glitter factory. But that's just me. Number five. It is illegal to dress any domesticated animal in human or doll clothing. Hear, hear. I wholeheartedly endorse this, particularly when around Harris and Brett from Pawnee Animal Control. Guys, just because you capture an animal does not give you the right to dress it. Number four. Hmm. This just says, Jane is so stupid, I'm not letting her use my roller skates anymore. Well, first, I might point out this is not technically a law. Second, it seems perhaps these laws have not been reviewed in some time. Disheartening, but unfortunately not surprising. Number three. It is illegal to wound or kill fish with a firearm. Unless, perhaps, the fish is really asking for it, because, you know, some fishes are just snarky know-it-alls. Number two. Biting is strictly forbidden during any organized fight or pugilistic event. Of course, without biting, there is a fine line between a so-called pugilistic event and, say, line dancing. And finally, number one, men must bow to any woman who is in their second or third trimester of pregnancy. Nope, absolutely not. It's not that I'm against this law in general, however, obtaining confirmation from a woman that she is pregnant and or how far along she is, is a recipe for certain disaster. And there you have it, seven laws that are perfect examples of what your government can do for you, or in this case, to you. <sighs> Thus ends the PSA. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, welcome back. Well, Mark, as we usually do, let's talk real quick about the deleted scenes from this guy. Um, even though this was a, you know, a, a normal standard length episode, it had a good amount of deleted scenes, about five yeah, minutes and 30 seconds worth, mm -hmm. um, enough to have done a producer's cut. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. And with the, uh, the important, importance, yes, that, that word, uh, of this, you know, kind of phase in this Leslie Ben relationship and them getting caught and the ethics trial and all that. I'm a little surprised they didn't actually do it. It would cut. not have surprised me had they done a producer. Yeah. Cut. Yeah. Well, I have some hope that Peacock will go back and do some of the things that they didn't originally do because they're doing that with the office. And I've been watching some of the mm. extended office episodes and some of them are five and six minutes longer than the normal Canon episode. 
So I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that maybe they'll do that with Parks and Rec. I don't know. Well, you know, I, I actually had Constantine reach out to Peacock Network oh, and, and ask them to please hire you who oh. wanted to Frankenstein stitch together like yes. a bunch of the I'm happy to do and it just for them. make your own. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so. I can stitch these two together. We'd have like a 27 minute episode. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, it'd be yeah, pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, from the deleted scenes, you know, there, there are a couple, like usual, there are some funny ones and there are some that are okay. I guess my favorite is the one, you know, Andy references when he's, uh, you know, character testimonying for her, if that's a word, for mm -hmm. Leslie, you know, that he got the spaghetti in the laptop. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got the laptop in the sink. Oh, yeah. Submerged. Yeah. And he's got a pot brush out scrubbing it. It's fine. Just like it's, you know, basically a broiling pan yeah he he gets it out and all this water comes draining out of the side yeah you gotta drain you, the water right you gotta drain the water first i'm an it i know he puts it in the microwave yeah you He's gotta gonna dry, dry it. it yeah yeah I, I see nothing wrong with this and then when the sparks start flying he goes uh, i guess the microwave's broken <laughs> like it's the microwave's fault yep uh alan there was one deleted scene that i particularly liked um yeah. It was where, you know, this this episode was very mural heavy. It was. And speaking of heavy murals, oh, good point, um, this yeah. particular deleted scene was uh, it's it's a uh, I, I think maybe the title just like Pawnee Lady Justice. Yeah. And it's a, it's a lady and standing there and justice and she's standing there on a thing and she's she's holding another thing that's yeah. like a scale like the sure. scale of justice yeah, of course. and and the thing is when this mural was created alan they they thought we want to uh, embody the typical pawnee citizen so this lady may be pushing three bills and and let's uh, <laughs> well, refer to her as pudgy uh, the the meaty pudgy hands of Lady Justice, which you know that is well, fine and good, and yeah. and she's holding the scale of justice. Except I think maybe they went a little bit overboard yeah. on account of in her other hand, she has a cheeseburger. A cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the uh, best. Oh my god! I wonder oh. if she got that at food and stuff. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, or, or the Sweetums Burger Division. Oh no no, it's uh, what's the one company? We haven't met them yet, but we're about to. But I, I, we got Paunch Burger coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's going to be good. That's I'm a looking great forward. Time. To that. Yeah, me too. Yep. Well, if you've got the DVDs, check out. There's about nine deleted scenes. Check those out. Absolutely. Mark on first tropes and fun facts. Um, I had a little bit of everything this week. How about you? I had I had a little bit. Of everything except goofs. I didn't clock any goofs. Okay. Well, I've got one that I can't say I found, but I'll, I'll talk about it. I didn't have a whole lot with firsts. Um, I, there, actually, I had two very basic ones. I said, you know, this is the first time that Leslie and Ben officially revealed their relationship. And I also said that this is the first time that officially Jerry reveals his, his real name is Gary. Now, we... If we remember from last episode, uh, we learned through, you know, those that were clever and observant like us, yes. um, you know, and could freeze definitely the DVD us. there. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Us, no problem. And then we saw we that didn't his, read that off there. His, his old 70s ID yeah. uh, had Gary on it. So we knew from last episode, but this is the Correct. first time that like he officially, OK, everybody, my name's Gary. Yeah, it became canon officially last episode. But right now everyone knows so what i miss what'd you have I'll, I'll talk about that that's actually the source of the goof but oh. first on firsts uh, see what i did there yeah um I, I said single plot line first i think episode we've covered that only had an a story what about uh rock show mm, i believe there's a second there's a b story in rock show i'm, I'm not positive is the b story that you don't want to be wrong <laughs> <laughs> 
That's definitely the C story. I don't know if it's the B story. No, you know um, what? I if even if that were the case, it, it's like there's only maybe two it's, or three in it's existence. Rare. It's oh a lot gosh, like you said. We haven't rare. had one in a long, long yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe I'm right and maybe you're you're wrong. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, who knows? I mean, look, anything is possible in this wide universe. Sure it is. Whatever. Yeah. We'll check back in next time. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, fine. Especially if I'm right. Yeah. You you can guarantee we'll hear about it then. (laughs) If you're right, I guarantee you it will get edited out. Anyway. um, That's a No, that's a good observation, though. I mean, worst case scenario, it's been a while. It was. Yeah. Um, Mark on tropes, what you got? I got a few here. I, I have one that I was very excited about just because it really, really made me laugh. And I think that you would agree with this. Okay. DSM. Don't sass me. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> that one. That cracks me up every single time. <laughs> that was a good one. Ron sounds like an 1860s gold prospector. He does. Like, I know. Get off my lawn. Don't sass me. Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Only he could say that. Yeah. Um, I had, um, Speaking of Ron, I had another one. I said uh, PRS, paranoid Ron Swanson, either oh. throwing the computer away, objecting yeah. to address being stated out yeah, loud. Yeah, you, can't, you, you can't say that. No, mm. just sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, I said, um, I think you had mentioned this earlier in the podcast, uh, like a over the top Leslie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, yeah. I, I thought of it when she sent in the I video, you, you know, I whatever. I think we had both over the top and over prepared in this episode. We had both. Leslie's. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I said I said punching bag Jerry, the kicker. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. that qualifies. Yes, I think so. Um, <laughs> I had. <laughs> I we've heard this before and I get I just thought this was funny. I had TCH. Tammy has cloven hooves, <laughs> which I really should just call like Tammy is evil or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that fits. that's pretty good. Um, and then the last one I had, which is a big one, is the City Hall murals. I had that one, too. I had I called mine Historic Pawnee because we had paintings and murals. That's true. That's true. Old Stone Face, yep. which is not really a mural, but I kind of thought yeah. of it in the same in yep. the same light. And then we had the good Sarah old, N- Nelson Quindle, the 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 frozen whore. Yeah. And then uh, we had a, a bad Pawnee, good Pawnee, yeah. which is that where was Ron was standing with Leslie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like that. What I miss. Actually, you know what? I did have a new one. Mm. Uh, two. Well, kind of two new ones. I said Crazy April. Like when she's on the stand and blaming Ethel Beavers. She's I mean, channeling Janet Snakehole. So funny. Yeah, it's yeah. very. Yeah, it is. So uh, maybe Crazy April encompasses both those. And then I put Sweet Stupid Andy. Like he <laughs> he wants to be helpful, but he is so dumb sometimes. He's like a big laboratory retriever. He, he wants to do anything he can to help, but he doesn't know what to do. It's like Doug and Up. Yeah. Isn't he? Like if you could hear like he, he should be Andy's voice. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love where they were all telling her how she apologized to them. And then they said, what are you talking about? Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. I think that's fine. And then I actually I thought it was kind of sweet where he's like, I know. I've always liked I've you. I've always liked you. Yeah. There you, go. you can do anything wrong. Oh, I love always Andy. like you. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Andy. What'd you have for goofs? Well, the goof I found uh, online was. You said this was related to Jerry's. It is. Oh, okay. Someone had written that basically in Time Capsule, they establish as they're putting Jerry's mother's journals in the Time Capsule. It's in the cold open. Mm. And I went and watched it today because mm. at first I didn't believe the goof. Mm. It's absolutely true. Mm. Um, she wrote uh, to her about her son, Gerald. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and according to his mother, his real name is Gerald 
So, you know, if you watch it, he literally, April's reading the journal and she says, January 18th, 1964, Gerald, and I turned on closed captioning and the way they spelled it was J-E-R-R-O-L-D, like long version of Jerry, basically, starred in his school production of Peter Pan. He was a beautiful Tinkerbell. <laughs> and then Jerry goes, it was an old boy's school. Um but she called him Gerald. I could see just as a as a riff on Jerry or as a riff on Gary calling him Gerald. Just cuz I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that that didn't really flag as a like a definite. Oh, it's it's an incorrect thing. Right. And I didn't find this. I just thought I'd point it out. And I think it's interesting, too, that a lot of names have multivariants, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe Jerry, Gary, all of those are variants of Gerald. Right. In the old French. You know what I mean? I'll look it up tonight in my etymology journal. Um but, but like Bob, that is interesting, though, Robert Ray, Rob, Bob, those are all variants of of Robert. Right. So, you know, same thing with Jerry, Gary and uh, well, how many variants of, of Alan are there? Too many. Yeah. Yeah. There's the one that where I spell it right. And then there, there's everybody else. They're all you, you, you Johnny come lately imposters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was told my mom she did that. So I'd never own a keychain from anywhere. <laughs> but I'm not bitter about it. And she said, who are you? Yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good talk to your father. Uh, Mark, do you have any fun facts? I had two fun facts. Okay. Um, so in, in the past, Alan, we've mentioned how uh, once uh, Mark Brendana quits, oh, yes. uh, left Parks and Rec, there was never again any sort of a reference to him. And, nope. and in general, that's true. No verbal reference. However, there are a few very, very rare exceptions, kind of. And one of them was in this episode where um, Anne brings her laptop to the hearing when she's preparing to play Leslie's yay email video yeah, yeah. regarding her and Ben. With and, 44 exclamation points. And yeah. the laptop case that Anne is using is the one that Mark gave her years ago for Christmas. So pretty cool. I, I just the thought that was a little polka dot case. Yeah. 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 I like that. Um, the other one I thought was kind of cool. This is a freeze frame fun. So if you own the DVDs, yeah. uh, I would say uh, pause it at around 15 minutes and 45 seconds. And what's going on is this is when Leslie is looking at the mural titled Bad Pawnee, Good Pawnee with yeah. Ron. And if you pause it and you take a look very carefully at all the things contained in that mural, you can see that it actually contains many reproductions of previous murals on both the bad side and the good side. Oh, that's great. Including a lively fisting, which is the man fighting the yes. woman and punching her in the stomach. And she's terrible grabbing title, his hair. Yes. Terrible, horrible, horrible title. Um, the Trial of Cheap Wamapoke, which I is saw where that, the canon yeah. is pointed like a Looney Tunes to an yeah. Indian tattoo tree. Um, Spirit of Pawnee, which has to do with the big train that comes yeah. through. Um, the Turnbill Mansion Wedding, which is where a saw Pawnee the, woman. Saw the gazebo, yeah. The, the, yeah. Right, the gazoinksbo there. Yeah. And then possibly, I wasn't sure about this because it didn't close in on it enough, but in the very lower left corner, I thought there was something that was the Pawnee Zoo, mm. which is where it shows three cages in the mural. And one has a moose in it and one has a bear in it. And then one has a man labeled unknown who's just oh, like sitting yeah, there reading that. a book. At so. first, I thought you were going to say it had two gay penguins. But now I remember the one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Although that was funny, too. It was funny, too. What you have? I only had one. And it's basically someone pointed out that the uh, apparently the man whose face was scarred, you know, the. Uh, the, the gentleman who uh, old stone face, old stone face. That's actually just basically a retouched version of a self portrait of a French painter named Jean Auguste Dominique. 
So, mm. yeah. So interesting. That's French for face blowed up. For stone face. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. All right, nice. Mark. Well, let's get to the scores and get this thing done. All right. Let's do it. Oh, I there it is. Love, Judge love, it. Love. Let the judgment begin. All right. Well, Alan, as you know, for quite a while now, we've both been submitting choices for MVP. Whatever. Who's your MVP, Mark? So I'm going to tell you who the right choice is, and we'll hear the other one later. Um, <laughs> my <Wow>. my <laughs> my MVP for this episode is Rob Lowe as Chris Strager. Okay. And uh, so here's here's my reason. Plead your case. I will plead my, clay, my case, Yaana, if you will, per se. Um, Chris's very nature i think you would agree with this his nature makes it so that if he's not written carefully he can often seem like a cartoon like yes. more cartoonish than real right i'd agree and and being cartoonish can be funny but it makes it hard to genuinely care about the character yeah. and i think that's been one of the uh, weaknesses that in the past chris has had so here i thought the writers did a fantastic job with him from his beaming smile when he was telling Leslie how miserable he was and his <laughs> mouth was like a spaceship to his over the top freaking glee at eating all those vitamins and pills in court. Yeah. Rob Lowe's performance, I thought, was just freaking out. It's pretty exceptional. Yeah, it really is. In a lot of ways, I also thought it was pretty cool. Chris, I would say, played the villain in a lot of ways in this episode. I would agree. And I think and I'm going to say a bit about that. And yeah. I think he did it successfully like without betraying like who he is as a person which yeah. which made it work for me he has a natural odd intensity like he always has had this and i feel like his odd intensity worked really well in this yeah. court it's very setting. much a type a kind of thing yeah. yes yeah very much yeah. so and at the same time he eventually ends up showing caring and kindness towards ben and leslie so i was i loved it um so suffice to say for the first time in a long time Chris seems like a well-rounded, interesting character, and I thought that the episode clearly benefited from it. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go as far as to say that this was the best Chris episode for me since I got to go back to the beginning of season three with flu season. Yeah. And so I really, really, really liked Chris. I've missed this Chris. Interesting. Okay. All right. I'll take that. I'll park it and we'll revisit it. Fair enough. Yeah. So as far as the episode goes, I thought that they did something really cool here. In a lot of ways, uh, this feels like sort of an episode of another show that I think you and I really like, Alan, Community, yeah. which takes something, for those of you who haven't seen Community, I, I would highly recommend it. It's Absolutely. a very, very good show. Yep. And Community takes something as woefully mundane as a community college study group, which you think, oh my God, this yeah. sounds, this sounds I thought horrible. the premise was dumb. Sounds horrible. Yeah. Horrible. I'm going to hate this. Yeah. And they use it to create outlandish, crazy parodies of any number of topics and genres. Like you got apocalyptic paintball wars, you got alternate timelines, you yep. got a zombie outbreaks, Claymation. I mean, just you'd name it. Yeah. So here I thought they did kind of kind of the same thing with Parks and Rec and made it into kind of like a law and order or courtroom drama episode. I mean, not 100 percent, but right. you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, it really worked for me. I liked it. This was also, I thought, an interesting mix of scene time. Alan, you had kind of commented on this earlier with uh, with uh, Tom. And I agree with you. I wouldn't say that everyone had equal screen time by a long shot. This is a very heavy Leslie and Chris and to some extent, Ben uh, episode. But beyond those three core characters, it feels like everyone else on Team Leslie. Eh, 
kind of split the screen time pretty well, like with with funny and and decently good scenes from everybody. You know, you had the the nice cold open for Ron in April. You had Ron smelling the presence of Tandy too and doing his Ron Swanson one out of the courtroom. Yeah, and his had, willingness to go forget about it. Yeah, you had yeah. doses of ridiculous antics from April. Ethel Beavis did it, and then Andy, what laptop objection? You had Donna being present in a number of scenes, like seriously with the men in this office. You had Jerry's great reveal about his name with Leslie and Kristen able to get past it. You had Anne's adorable earnestness as she texts Leslie every 30 seconds that everything's going to be okay. (laughs) You had Tom in, this is what I thought, in small, funny, satisfying doses without it being too much Tom or too annoying Tom. I would agree with both of us. So I like this. And and. Alan, I think that we've talked about this on the podcast before, too. But for me, some of the most satisfying moments come from when the entire gang comes together as a team to deal with an issue or accomplish a task. Yeah, yeah, uh, this one was no exception. I really liked how they all rallied behind Leslie and even Chris, to some extent, like despite him playing the antagonist, I would say. I mean, at least at the very end. And Alan, maybe others saw this coming, but I didn't um from a plot slash story arc perspective i appreciate the minor details that ended up coming back and playing a role in how things went in court you've got leslie kissing tom in front Mm. of chris from soulmates you've got leslie joining ron at his cabin to run away from her problems and i'm leslie nope and last but not least i may be leaving out some you have leslie and ben bribing george and i would like to think that the writers plan some of this stuff all along or at least the bribe scene i mean they're certainly talented enough to potentially have done so they are the bribe ones a lot easier for me to imagine than some of the others but yeah you never know they might plan a whole season out that's true and i gotta admit i felt a little scared For Leslie, when right before the judgment was handed down, she said, I think I'm about to get fired, Ron. Yeah. And I like I know logically I had my security blanket and I was sucking my thumb there. And I know logically (laughs) Leslie would not be leaving the show because duh. But at the same time, I care about Leslie enough as a character that I was a little worried at the moment, you know. Um, And finally, Alan, remember that great uh, uh, Pixar uh, movie Monsters, Inc.? Sure, sure. Just watched it recently. So is it just me or every time Ethel Beavers was was on the scene, did she remind you a little bit of Roz? A lot of Roz. Yeah. I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always <laughs> watching. Oh, just cracked me She's up. She's got a great voice. Um, The only small nitpick I could think of is I sort of wish that we got to see the members of the Parks and Rec gang reacting to the news that Leslie and Ben were an item. That's a very, very small nitpick. I thought it would have been interesting. Not 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 a big deal. Um, but don't they already know? Well, Ron knows. Ann knows. Chris just found out. We suspect maybe April a- Andy and April. I think they maybe, con- maybe, but that's never been confirmed. That's true. But I, I agree with you. It's like, but there's half of them where it's like, I don't care if Jerry knows because whatever. Right. Stupid Jerry. Um, no, I love Jerry. All right. So on to the, the crazy Mark rubric. I thought that this uh, this story was well written. I thought it was funny. It was engaging. I, I I was I was captivated by it. I thought it had a big plot relevance for the season arc. I'm going to give it a 4.5 base score. It's pretty high, but I thought it deserved some some big points there. I'm going to give one whole point to a freaking outstanding performance 
by my episode MVP, uh, Rob Lowe as Chris Traeger. I'm going to give another half point for what I thought was a great performance all the way through by Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope. I mean, it was it was it centered so much on her. Yeah, she had to have done a good job. Otherwise, it would have fallen apart. I thought she did a great she job. made it look easy. She certainly did. And then, Alan, I've done this before. Sometimes things will happen in the episode and I can't warrant giving because I'm not allowed to do quarter points. So I can't warrant giving something a half point, but I'll combine certain things. Sure, I've seen you chase. Yeah, I know. So, so, I'm, yeah. so this is my cheating thing where I do mm-hmm. my combo points. So I'm going to give um, half a point for what I call the bookend combo, which is the Ron April cold open okay. and the Jerry kicker with the name reveal. I nice. thought those bookends were deserving combined for a half point. Okay. I'm going to give another half point for what I called the Ron and Tammy combo. So you got Ron's <laughs> address objections, Ron smelling Tammy too, and running in his little Ron Swanson way out of the courtroom and the appearance, however short by Megan Mullally as Tammy too. Yeah. So that combo or that point, I'm going to do another half point for what I call the love combo, which is, Ethel Beavers in this episode in general, because she's awesome. She's great. Yeah. And then the Leslie slash Ben sweet ending, yeah. which I just really, really liked. Yeah, I'm, I'm a I sucker. It's one of my favorites. And then one more half point for what I call the sweet combo, which is the old stone face thing like that whole thing, because both the picture was funny, but also the concept of Ben being there with Leslie, even when he couldn't be. And then also combined with the little Sebastian plushie. That Ben made for Leslie. Like, are you kidding me? How how dorkily sweet was that? Um, I'm going to give one more half point for a fantastic series of Pawnee murals through this episode. And I'm going to give one more final half point for Ben's act of selflessness for Leslie and the bold plot move for the show to have Ben resign. Yeah. Which I I mean, I didn't see it coming. So go figure. Um, so Alan, you add all those points up and you come up with nine little Sebastians. This was a really strong, uh, satisfying episode for me and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So that's it for me. What do you got, man? Um, I'm going to disagree with you first to start off <laughs> all right. about the MVP. Okay. So, um, actually I, I thought Rob Lowe did a great job. Um, I had trouble in a couple cases with this, the way he was written. So I thought he's this weird mix of determined to find Leslie guilty and yet hoping he doesn't. So in that way, I'm like, okay, I get that. That's kind of neat. I, I'm good, I thought that was fascinating. You, yeah. Right. And yet he's so bulldogish about 14 witnesses and he, there's that one scene where he literally just lays it out and says, I think your relationship with Ben began early in your saying. I think that you benefited from him being your boss. And I think that you probably maybe bribed somebody. So, and, and while one and three are true, I don't believe two is true. I don't believe that she got any special treatment from Ben whatsoever. Right. And her defense of that is excellent. I mean, she basically says, look, you know, with the previous city managers, I, I about 40 percent of the time I get what I want. Right. With Ben, it's like 30. Right. So, you know, I, I just even if Chris did know and he obviously did in the sense that he was going to bring George as a witness, I there's something about it that bothered me. I don't know. 
so just a really quick counterpoint, because I totally see what you're saying. You remember that great show, Star Trek, The Next Generation? I've heard of it. Yeah, there, there is there is an episode on this that shows you how old and what a nerd I am. Sure. There is an episode where they were trying to it was a courtroom drama scene and they were trying to prove whether or not data was human. And, and it is called The Measure of a Man. Yeah. I and know that episode. and, and yeah. Riker, a, a nerd friend of mine told me about it. <laughs> And Riker basically had Who's to that? had to. He's a number two. <laughs> Said number doesn't matter. Anyway, Riker had to prove he had to take the side of the courtroom that said data is not human. Yeah, and he hated himself for doing it, and yet he was like, "This is he had to. This yeah. is my job." I get this. It. Kind of reminded me of that without quite all the gravitas and stuff. I, I think, and again, you know, he goes over to Leslie afterward and basically says essentially that, right? right? It's like, I have to protect the integrity of this, this government. And, and so, you know, I get it. Um, I thought, so he has 100% absolute integrity, right? That's what we're to believe about him and his damnation of Leslie's actions. Sure. Right. Do you remember an episode or two back when basically, um, Chris just grabs everybody, rips them out of their day jobs, uh, who I believe are paid on government salaries, by the way, and has them investigate for him what went wrong in his previous relationship. Mm, no, I don't remember that. Seems like maybe, I don't know, that seemed a little unethical looking at it through the rearview mirror in light of how on point he was about Leslie's actions here. I think he's that, not wrong. Uh, it's just that's a, that I don't know. I had trouble with that. You know, Alan, reflecting back on what you just said, I uh, I would prefer that we just move on because it kind of disproves my case. Um, so I don't I don't like this part of it. This is uncomfortable for me. Fair enough. Actually, that's a really good point, though. It is. It, it's 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 a, a lapse basically in the application of the that story arc. Right. The seasonal story arc. I think in lots of ways, you're right. They did a really good job of creating these opportunities and then tying them into this episode. And that was brilliant. But now you've got some plot holes, basically, where, you know, Chris did that thing and, you know, kind of gross. I just I don't know. It bothered me. And so I think that was in my head when I when I talked about Chris here. And that's why I couldn't give him the, the MVP. I gave it to Amy Poehler. Because mm, I thought, I see. again, she made it look easy. Yeah. You know, and again, I'll let the Chris stuff go because I still like the episode. And we'll get to that. OK, but but overall, I felt like she made it look easy and you kind of forget this role she's got to play, which is, again, kind of all over the place. And mm -hmm. she goes from having the one. And again, I've got a little bit of a beef with Amy here, too, or at least Leslie. You're just grumpy. Well, not as normal, not as much as normal. <laughs> um, do we really believe that Leslie forgot she bribed somebody? Again, all my the things I'm upset about are things I'm kind of upset with the writers about, and they're not necessarily in this episode specifically. They, they've been impacted by previous episodes in every case. I just don't believe that Leslie would have she. So, for example, when Chris says, and I believe that you bribed somebody if she had forgotten. You think that should have been a warning shot at that yeah. moment. She should have went, oh, crap, George. Yeah. Like so again. All of these things, and I know it's a sitcom, I get it, but we hold it to a higher standard because yeah. it deserves it. Yeah. Uh, the willingness to suspend disbelief, right? And mine was broken on Chris and mine was broken on Leslie. I, I, I agree with and that. And I took away a half a point for each of those. I agree with that, but I think that, uh, I think I feel better when you play the, uh, yeah, that makes it okay. Is that true? I don't know. I, uh, no, I, I, I'm going to carry that button around with me everywhere. 
That's what I do. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Yeah, see, just just pretend it didn't happen. It's like I didn't understand it until you did that, but now I feel good about uh, it. Okay. No, actually, that's a really good point, and I I don't know if that's realistic, but I was able to buy it and move on. Fair enough. I think in, in for a lot of the other stuff you've already covered well, I won't repeat it. I feel like I really did like this episode. I thought it was well-crafted. I thought it came to a satisfying conclusion. Um, I was also caught off guard by Ben's action the first time I saw this and didn't see it coming. And we know it's going to set up some really funny episodes coming up and some great opportunity for him to kind of get out of the parks office. So right. It's brilliant for the next arc as well. Right. So I'm looking forward to those. For me, again, I kind of I do mine as more of a tear off than you do yours as a build up. Right. I, I just those two, if I were doing points, which I really don't, uh, I'll just take a half a point each. I'm giving this episode nine little spashes. Wow. So we, we agree on that. Wow. We just got to it maybe slightly different ways. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So, well, nice job, Mark. That was that was a good one. And um, I'm looking forward to covering our next episode, which is season four, episode 10, Citizen Nope. Citizen Nope. Yeah. yeah. The, the punishment phase will begin. Oh, my. Yeah. We'll see how she does with that. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> I don't want to be a spoiler here, yeah, but yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to covering that with you next week and looking forward to talking to all of our viewers at home again soon. That's right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.